great. Micah chapter number 5. Uh, we're going to stay in the Old Testament this morning uh, and look at some Scripture and just about the Lord's birth. Uh, the story of Bethlehem we're going to look at this morning. The story of Bethlehem. So Micah chapter number 5. And we're just going to read four verses here. Micah chapter number 5 and verse number 1. Micah 5 and verse number 1. Now they gathered thyselves in troops, O daughter of troops. He have laid seats against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. And this verse is really where we're going to focus today. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall be come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will I he give them up unto the time that she sh- uh, which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of the children of the brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed and strength the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. Let's look to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time we have to be together. Thank you for these dear folks. And Lord, I pray the message, Lord, this morning would encourage us. Lord, it would convict us. Whatever you desire, Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts. Allow your word to penetrate. Lord, I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Back in 1865, a pastor from a church in Boston was helping with a Christmas service in Bethlehem. That would have been pretty amazing. Uh, maybe that should be one of the, my bucket list things to have a service Christmas Eve in Bethlehem. And uh, he actually rode out of Bethlehem, uh, sorry, descended from Jerusalem into Bethlehem, riding a horse. So back in those days, there wasn't cars. Uh, so he was riding a horse, really getting into the, the mode of transportation of that day. And he said, I remember standing in the old church in Bethlehem, close to the spot where we think Jesus was born. The church was ringing hour after hour, splendid hymns of praise. And he said, how again and again it seemed as if I could hear the voices I knew well, telling each other of the wonderful night of the Savior's birth. A few years later, Philip Brooks, a famous uh, hymn writer, penned a very spe- uh, special um, uh, hymn that we are carol that we sing every Christmas time. is O Little Town of Bethlehem. O Little Town of Bethlehem. O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent, silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting life. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above, while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning star together, proclaim thy holy birth, and praise the sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. O whole child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels with great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Those verses declare the heart of Christmas. What we think of when we think of Christmas as individuals who see God's Word and believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth. Long before Philip Brooks wrote that, there was a prophet who penned some words moved by the Holy Spirit concerning the little town of Bethlehem. And he tells us about this special town, and there is great truth for us this morning. It's a special town. 
The story of Bethlehem is a special story that needs to be told and retold every Christmas. You know, we see that the story of Jesus' birth is lost amid the gifts. And I love getting gifts. It's lost among the decorations. And I, you know, I, don't, I like decorations. I love seeing nice lights up. It's lost with the commercialism. It's lost in so many other things that people attribute to Christmas. And we really need to focus on why do we celebrate this holiday? Why? Why do we do it? It's not for Rudolph or Frosty, I guarantee you. It should be about Jesus. The first thing is the story of a place. When Micah writes of Bethlehem, he writes about a small place that will produce great things. Bethlehem was a really tiny hamlet. I mean, it wasn't much of a place. Uh, you wouldn't go there to get your your best uh, clothes outfit or go buy a horse. I mean, this was tiny. It had a colorful past and a very exciting future. When we think of Bethlehem, the first thing that comes to our mind is that's where Jesus was born. And that's true. But there was other things about this town that I think gives us uh, some great applications, some great things for us to bring home as such. The town of Bethlehem is located about five miles south of Jerusalem. We don't know when the town was founded. Uh, I guess that paper has been lost over the years when it was actually started. But it was first mentioned in 1250 B.C. by one of the kings of Palestine writing to the Egyptian pharaoh talking about Bethlehem. So it would have been around during the time of the Judges. It would have seemed to be that Bethlehem was in existence when Israel came into the promised land, in the Canaan land. Now, the name Bethlehem, it means house of bread. House of bread. And Micah also calls it by another name, Ephrata, which is an older name of the city, which means place of fruitfulness. Uh, hey, we're going to have a potluck tonight. Doesn't this sound like a good place to have it? It's a house full of bread, a house of bread and a place of fruitfulness. The idea is that it's, it's an encouraging place. How fitting that Jesus should be born here. He is the bread of life, amen? He is the bread of life, John 6.35. He promised all those who would partake that they would never hunger again. And that's not referring to a, a physical hunger, but spiritually. He satisfies those that... To take him, for he that satisfies and longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Psalm 107 verse 9. He's the one who can take barren life and change it by his grace into a fruitful life for his glory. Maybe here this morning and you can remember when you got saved and you can remember how barren of heart and soul you were and how the Lord changed all that. I hope all of us who are here this morning who know Christ as Savior get testimony of that. Because He changes lives. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Bethlehem is first mentioned in the Scriptures in Genesis 35. As Jacob and his family are journeying, journeying to the home in Canaan, Rachel goes into labor and gives birth to Benjamin. Sadly, though, Rachel dies in childbirth. And as she's dying, she calls her son Benoah, which means son of my sorrow. That's a sad scene. It's a sad episode. It's a, it's a horrible thing. 
Rachel was buried just outside of Bethlehem. Jacob changed Manoah to Benjamin, meaning the son of my right hand. So the first time we see Bethlehem mentioned in the scriptures, it's associated with sorrow and death. Not maybe the place you want to go. But we think about Jesus, and He takes that place associated with grief and suffering, and He turned into a place of glory. While He was here on earth, He was, Jesus was the man of sorrows. The one who created the universe had nowhere to lay His head. The one who had left heaven to come to die for His people was rejected by the very people He came to save. I don't know if you've ever faced rejection or betrayal, but it's a horrible thing. It's heart-rendering. And especially when you try to do something that is helpful, try to do something that will save, and you're rejected and you're betrayed. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. He knew pain and He knew sorrow. For in the end, He was crucified for the sins of the world. He was truly the Son of my sorrow. Look over in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, and we're going to start reading verse number one. We're going to read a few verses here. He connects with a lot of points as we go through this sermon. Isaiah 53, verse number 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall go up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. And when he shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. Son of my sorrow. He, he was a man of sorrows. He came. Thank God the story does not end with Jesus on the cross. Amen? does not end there. And we, we celebrate Christmas. We're so thankful for it and the opportunity to celebrate Jesus coming. But oh, what He did on the cross and then rose again. Oh, that should be the anthem of every Christian. That should get the loudest praise. That He came and He died for us. And He rose again the third day. Then He ascended back to heaven and is sit now at the right hand of God making intercession for you and for me. You know, I think we all could pray more if we're going to be honest. Now, I enjoy praying. It's not always easy. I assure you that. 
and and sometimes I have a I have a chair in my in my room that uh, I sit next to and sit in there and pray. And sometimes I kneel. Though I did tell you before that often when I kneel, uh, the oxygen stops going to my head and I fall asleep right away. Uh, but uh, the uh, reality is, we need to be praying more. You know, sometimes I get up in the middle of the night and I sit next and get in my chair or I kneel there. And, you know, my father's just waiting to hear from me. He's just waiting. You know, if I if I phone my dad, my physical dad, two o'clock in the morning, he wouldn't. Well, he would not answer the phone. He got his hearing aid out. He won't hear. You know, I go to the the throne any time, and I can bring my requests. I can bring the burdens of my heart to the Lord, and He hears me, and He's making intercession for me. What a wonderful Savior! The beauty of the story of Ruth was played out in this town of Bethlehem. It was in Bethlehem that Ruth, she was a Moabitess, she was a Gentile, she found redemption from her pain and her past. She found grace. She found mercy. She found hope. She found a family. All in that place called Bethlehem. And the one born in Bethlehem, the one who provided salvation, is the fullness for all who would receive Him. But as many as received Him, uh, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. The reality is, you're never going to get to a place where the Lord will not receive anyone else. Heaven, we can't fill up heaven, amen? Come! The Lord says, come! Come to me! I'll receive you! Hey, in our human hearts, and I, I mean, I've met lots of people who have great compassion and love for people, but we're human. And sometimes we can say, no, I don't want to help that person because of this or that. The Lord is just waiting. Your past, your sin, the things you've done, things you've thought, you know, as black as you think you are, in your heart of sin... The Lord says, come. Come to me. I'll not turn you aside. I will not turn you aside. I'll have all men come unto me. All them that would ask. And salvation is found in Jesus' promises. And and, and we see his his lineage to the town of Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, David, the young shepherd boy, was born and anointed into the nation of Israel as the king. And Isn't that interesting? He was a great shepherd, but the great shepherd was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was born there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's helping us along as we live this life and keeping us away from uh, the holes or the the bad uh, influences or the wolves that would like to devour us. He's there protecting and guiding and putting us in our right place. Bethlehem witnessed the most amazing thing, miracle that day when Jesus Christ was born in flesh. And that story, will you've probably read it already. and If not, you'll hear it spoken of in our church before Christmas. And that's found in Luke chapter 2. And then after His birth in Bethlehem, came some wise men looking to worship the King. Looking to give gifts and give homage 
And I know I've said this before, but I just love this statement because it's so true. You know, wise men still seek Him today. Wise men and women still seek Him today to seek to worship Him, seek to love Him, seek to follow Him. Bethlehem has a storied past. Amazing. What a story it is. It's a story of place. It's a story of God's design. Micah, you go back to Micah uh, again, uh, and we see that uh, Micah tells us the story of Bethlehem is about a place, but it's also about a plan. Out of thee shall come forth unto me that he shall be ruler in Jerusalem or Israel. This tells us that God has big plans out of this little town. You know, back to the beginning of the Bible, beginning of time, we see that man sinned in the Garden of Eden. And God gave humanity a glimpse of his plan. He told Adam and Eve that a Redeemer would be born someday. And it was long after they had passed. That's found in Genesis 3.15. And the Redeemer would defeat the enemy, the devil. And as the years went by, God showed more. He revealed a little more. When God saved His people out of their bondage in Egypt, He, he used the blood of the lamb and the lintels and doorposts representing the sacrifice to come. He revealed a little bit more when He brought them through the, the, the land, uh, the wilderness, uh, the manna and the water from the rock. And, and as He brought forth the laws of Israel and as He brought forth the tabernacle, the priesthood, the sacrifice, just revealing more and more. Through the mouths of the prophets, God gave insight of His plan even more again. Israel, uh, sorry, Isaiah told Israel about the virgin birth in Isaiah 7.14. And he was writing about the plan. He told us the child was to be born, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Revealing just a little bit more of the plan. And revealing to us the Messiah's pain that he would suffer. Micah, in particular, reveals us the birthplace of the Messiah. He tells us where the king will be born, and one that would fulfill the plans that have been recorded already. He was just revealing more of the plan. God's plan is an old plan. Ephesians 1 4 says, According to have chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be a holy and without blame before him in love. God formulated this plan. In eternity past. I'll be honest, I cannot understand eternity. If any of you can, you can let me know after service, but I'm pretty sure you can't. Because we are confined by time. You know, you're thinking in 20 minutes, uh, I'm going to be getting ready to leave. Pastor Alcock will be done. And then 20 minutes after that, we should be home and I'll put the roast in or whatever. We think in our lives we're, we're confined by time, but God is not. He's not. And He has formulated this plan and, and He brought this plan into fruition and He's brought it forth. Imagine He would make a plan for us who rebelled against Him. Provide a way of salvation for those who have sinned and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
His plan was involved with Christ coming and ministering. And His plan was for Christ to die upon the cross and to rise again the third day. It was all part of God's plan. Micah did not know all the plan. But he knew the king was coming. He knew the king was coming. And the Bible reveals the other details of the plan. I praise God that He included me in the plan. And He's included you in the plan if you would just accept it. If you would accept His gift of salvation. He loved me before I was even thought of. That's pretty amazing, folks. That He would love me long before I was even thought of. He sent His Son to die for us 2,000 years ago and to bring salvation to all. He worked out all the details. He worked out all the circumstances so that we would come face to face with Jesus. It was no happenstance. It wasn't odd. It wasn't a fluke that someone told you about Jesus. That's the Lord's desire. That's God's plan is for all to hear and that all would accept. He made His plan. He worked His plan. He accomplished His plan. Now we need to tell others about God's plan of salvation. And tell them that there's hope. And He's changed our lives and He'll change theirs as well. It's the story of the Son of God whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. These words reveal the truth of this one who was born in Bethlehem. He was no ordinary man. No ordinary man. In fact, Micah tells us while he may be coming out of Bethlehem, he is eternal. Jesus Christ is eternal. You know, in our society today, we hear uh, Christmas songs and, and, and we see it in movies, whatever. It's just the focus of the baby. And I understand that we are excited. We're celebrating the gift that Jesus was born, a baby. But you know what I see so often? That's as far as it goes. It's just a baby. Jesus Christ is so much more than just a baby. We see in the New Testament how He, he became a man and He served and He died, as I already mentioned. Miraculous. He's eternal. He may have been born in Bethlehem, but he, his beginning, we don't know when, because he's eternal. He's eternal. He had no beginning. Not like we know in the sense of being born. He was. He was eternal. The story of Bethlehem is a story of a miracle. And we've been going through the book of Mark on Sunday mornings. We take a break right now just as we're getting close to Christmas, but we have seen so many individuals who are miraculously healed by the Lord Jesus Christ in His ministry. We saw uh, lepers healed. We saw man's sight restored. Uh, those uh, who were uh, demons were cast out. He raised some individuals from the dead. All truly miraculous and beyond our comprehension. But the greatest miracle that took place in Bethlehem was Jesus Christ coming for us. That's the greatest of miracles. The story of Bethlehem is that God became human, but He still not stopped being God. He added humanity to His deity. Theologians call this the hypostatic union. I, I wouldn't necessarily call, have a sermon called the hypostatic union, but that's the theological term. 
somehow God placed himself within Mary's womb and he was born nine months later when Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and she just saw a little baby boy. In truth, she was looking at God in the human flesh. Here's how the word, the Bible describes it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm going to tell you right now, I cannot comprehend all that. But I believe it to be so. That's called faith, right? I trust God's Word to be true. I trust that what, though I might not understand all parts, I believe it. Because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've trusted Him by faith. And you know what I've found? He's true. His Word is true. His promises are true. Somehow, God became a man. He's still 100% God, yet 100% man. He, God-man. That's the term we've heard before. He experienced humanity. Who here has suffered? Let's see a show of hands. Suffered. All your hands should be going up right now. Unless you have lived one miraculous life. We all have suffered in some way. I think all of us at some time have uh, felt the hunger pains. Stomach growling. You know you know, it's time to immediately head to the, uh, the, 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 the place of eating and, it's, and he's thirsty or whatever the case. He, the Lord knew loneliness. He knew grief. He knew how about weariness. He got tired. He wept. He was rejected. So many of the human emotions, He's felt them all. He's there to help us. But He accepted it or experienced it Himself. And He lived that life without ever committing a single sin. He did that because He was God. He was God. Now, Jesus was born, just think for this moment, was born, the creator of the universe became instantly dependent upon His mother. He was the creator, now He's dependent upon a mother to take care of Him. The one who made the sun and caused it to to light, to heat the earth, now He he needed His mother to keep Him warm and protected from the elements. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty unbelievable. You know, the one whose heart was so full of love for humanity that he left heaven and he came to die for sinners now needed his mother's arms to wrap around with comfort. The one who made all and controls all and owns all laid it all aside to become a helpless infant because he loved us so much. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Why did Jesus come to this world? Why did He do it? Because He loves us. He cares for us. Why would He die for people who did not care for Him? Because of His amazing grace, His amazing love. I can't comprehend that. You know, so often in our human nature, if someone rejected us, we're not going to save them. We'd say, forget it. Go your own way. But God and His love sent His Son, Jesus Christ, even though they, we rejected and for those He came to save, He still provided salvation for all. I don't know, as, as I read that this week, I'm so convicted in my own heart that so often that when someone does me a slight, that my, you know, the pride comes up, well, I'm not going to help you again. Are you so glad that Jesus gives us second, third, fourth, fifth chances? 
You know, some of us need a lot more than that. I'll be the first one to admit, I need more than second chance. I need like 1,200 chances. And he was there to do just that. He came to make sacrifice for sin, by the which while we were sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Why did He come? To be the sacrifice for our sins. Why did He come? To heal the brokenhearted. To preach the gospel to the poor, He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. I'm telling you right now, there is a whole lot of brokenhearted people in this world. I meet a lot of them. You probably meet a lot of them too. You have the key. You have the answer for those brokenhearted people. It's Jesus! He came for you. And listen, He he loves us all. And we can be brokenhearted as believers. He's here for us. And we might be brokenhearted without Christ. He's here if we just accept Him. I mean, I love that verse in Luke chapter 4. Let me read it again. To preach the gospel to the poor, He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That is an amazing verse that so often we forget about. I mean, so many great verses that we forget about. But that's why He came. He came to heal. came to heal. He came to give life. He that he that believe on the Son have everlasting life. If we would accept Jesus Christ as Savior, He'll give us life, an abundant life. Life beyond what we can imagine. And He came... To glorify the Father. I glorified thee on the earth. I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Jesus came to the earth in the fashion that he came because he desires us to come to him. He loves us. And he wanted to ransom our souls from our sins. He came because he cares. Have you ever been in a place where it's been pretty bad? Maybe bad things at home. Maybe family members passed away. Maybe it's hard financially. Whatever the case is, and someone comes through the room who brings some relief. Maybe I was just at a funeral this week, so it comes to my mind about a funeral. And I saw some people come into the room and comforting the widower and start talking about her husband who just passed away and the widow, and, and it's just amazing to see the the care and love and how it lifts the spirit of that dear lady. Hey, today we're not talking about a physical death if we don't know Jesus Christ. We're talking about a spiritual death, eternally separated from God. I got great news for you this morning. There's hope. There's someone who cares. There's someone who desires to fix your broken heart, to heal your broken heart, to help you with the situations that you face, and His name is Jesus. Don't, don't allow that the, uh, the, the noise of this world about Christmas to push Jesus out of your mind. And the whole reason that we celebrate Christmas is to remember Jesus and what He's done. He came because He wants you to be part of His family. He came because He loves you. The story of Bethlehem is pretty awesome. 
there are parts of the story that I don't all understand myself, and I hope someday in heaven I will understand it all. But the parts of the story that we need to understand today, this day, is that Jesus came and He loves. And I want to ask you a couple of questions as we kind of close off this morning. The first question is, do you believe the story? Now, we hear all kinds of Christmas stories at Christmas time. This is true. I hope you do believe this story. So if you believe the story, the, the next question builds upon that is, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Because the story is about Him. It's not about gifts, big family turkeys, and family time, which is all wonderful. But what it's all about is Jesus. Have you accepted Him? And maybe you say, well, Pastor, I, I do believe the story and I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Well, praise the Lord for that. Are you thankful for that story? Are you thankful for Jesus Christ? Oh, so often, hey, I'm, I'm from Newfoundland and I've met some people who can tell some wonderful stories there and give us, as we would say back home, a great yarn. Hey, this yarn, this story needs to be retold and retold and retold. It's not a story that was gathered up by a few guys in a woodshed, or someone who was writing a fancy book. No, this story comes from a God who loves us. I would encourage you this morning to accept Believe the story and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't know of a better Christmas you could have if you made that decision. He changes things, folks. He gives you hope. He heals the brokenhearted. The story of Bethlehem. Hope you believe it. I hope you accept it.